Happy New Year, horror fans. Anchor Pete here, and I am happy to be here with my good friend, Mr. Danny Torkel. Danny, how are you doing today, Dr. Zayas? I am doing very well. Uh, just finished rewatching uh, The Omen, uh, which is one of my all-time favorites, uh, one of the top five scariest movies of my life. So uh, I, I actually have lights on over there because the movie is still at almost 40 years old legitimately creeps me out. So, Wow. Okay. Uh, this is my first time watching The Omen, and we are reviewing it tonight. We're doing the uh, the holy, the unholy trinity, and we. Yes. So if you go, if you go on our channel now, we have reviews of Rosemary's Baby from 1968, and of course, The Exorcist from 1973. And this is what is widely considered part three of this unspoken, unholy trinity of horror films that came out within an eight-year period of each other and all deal with the antichrist the devil uh, so yeah we thought you know what better thing to cover during the christmas season than you know these movies about the antichrist yes yes and uh it's some dark stuff you know there's similarities between all three and there's differences between all three tonight we're talking about the omen from 1976 and one of the things right off the bat that separates The Omen from The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby is that it's an original screenplay. It's not adapted from an existing source. You know, we don't have uh, William Peter Blatty's Exorcist and uh, I'm trying to think of the, the writer of Rosemary's Baby. Um, Ira Levin? Ooh, good. Yes, dude, you're on top of things tonight, man. This is, this is a DVD. This isn't even a Blu-ray. Uh, that's how long I've had this. But I was watching a, a bonus feature on it, and they actually had a a spiritual like advisor, like a, a who like basically came to the producer Harvey Bernard uh, or Bernhard and gave told him the idea that he had, and then he told David Seltzer, and it kind of spiraled that way, and. It, originally they wanted to do all this stuff with like like gargoyles and covens of witches and everything and then it got to the director uh richard donner and richard donner was like no no no, no. we need to set this in the real world with things that can actually happen and that will really mess with people's heads if there's no supernatural stuff at all and there really isn't in the movie like there's implied supernatural stuff but right. there's nothing directly supernatural about it, which right. is another thing that I love about the movie because it, it Rosemary's baby is objectively telling you, you know, Satan rapes this woman and, uh, and there's a coven of witches that live in a New York city apartment building. Uh, right. the exorcist shows you a full blown demonic possession in graphic detail. Right. And this movie just kind of hints at everything. I remember that I watched the Omen remake from 2006. And I pretty much got from like when Julia Stiles falls, right, on. And so that pretty much spoiled the third act of this movie for me. And I, I don't think I watched it like straight through. I think I cut back and forth. But, you know, David Thewlis was in that. And he was playing the part that David Warner played. When Julia Stiles dies in that version of the movie, that I think that's actually worse than the scene in this movie. Um, 
However, if I just saw this for the first time in 1978 or any time after that, uh, it would just blow me away because the, the subject matter of this movie is like super, super disturbing, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. That 2006 movie, I think on its own is not a, a bad movie. It has good acting, as you said. But the movie was made specifically because it was 2006 and they were like, right. we're going to release it on June 6, 2006. And right. that's the only reason that movie was made. Right. I think uh, what sets this movie apart also for me is the fact that um, it's Gregory Peck, who is one of the most legendary actors who ever lived. Uh, right. And again, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's unfair my my opinion of this movie but gregory peck has such an important part of of me growing up as well uh his in 1950 late 1950s he did a version of moby dick where he plays captain ahab oh, yes and I, my parents had that on vhs uh taped off television and i i must have watched that again like, I don't know why. I, I, my favorite movie of all time is Jaws. So maybe I was like, oh, whale, shark, I'll just watch it. <laughs> I must have watched him as Captain Ahab 20, 30 times. Uh, all the time that movie was on in my house. Like my mother and I to this day still will quote 1955 Moby Dick to each other just because it's, it's such a, it's so ingrained in my head. And he played, of course, Atticus Finch. Right, right. Which, um, that is my mother's favorite book and okay. favorite movie to right. the point where if my father, and this is a 100% true story, if my father had not intervened, my name would be Atticus Finch. Okay, okay. My, my sister, yes, Atticus Finch Torkel would have been my name. Right. Uh, my sister's middle name is Harper for Harper Lee. Harper Lee. Yes. Because my my mother was such a fan of that book. So I grew up watching Moby Dick and To Kill a Mockingbird. And then so when I saw this, I was like, oh, it's it's the dad from To Kill a Mockingbird. It's it's Captain Ahab. And, you know, he, he's such a great actor and you don't get actors like this. I was watching, like I said, no. the behind the scenes. There's this one like little behind the scenes feature on this where Richard Donner's like, I, you know, I hadn't really made that many big movies at that point. And I was like, this is, this movie is going to be a failure. And then all of a sudden Gregory Peck is in my movie. And, and you're like, I read Gregory Peck did this movie in part, sadly, because his son had just committed in real life. His son had committed suicide oh, and he was like, well, I can, he's like, he had, he had contemplated retiring from acting and then he decided look i i can play the role of a you know confused grieving father i can do that because i'm living it right now wow. and like there there were there were elements of the script that worked that like made him obviously uh, empathize with robert thorne and so that's what made him take the role so to see him in a horror movie, that's that's kind of different from all these other classic horror movies that you and I have talked about on the show so far. You know, a lot of the people that we see in these older horror movies, 
it's like they start out in horror and then they become something bigger as their career goes on. But in this case, it's like this is an established actor who's been in iconic roles already. Yeah. In this role. And and what's interesting about that is since I had only seen the end of the remake, I didn't know Damien's origins. I knew that he was the Antichrist and he was the son of the devil, but I didn't know like how he got on earth or like what was the conception. I thought that the mom gave birth to him. That was just my assumption watching the movie. So in that very first scene, that was a real interesting twist for me that like mm-hmm. the, his original biological baby, the thorn child had died. And then this other baby was there like at the exact same moment. And I mean, obviously that was staged or whatever. Um, but it adds this layer to that, um, the uh, Robert Thorne character where it's like his wife doesn't even know that that's not her actual kid. And I think that's real interesting. It kind of shows his motivation because it's like he's not moving forward. He's not sitting like, hey, there's something weird about this kid. He's trying to play it up like things are normal because of this big lie that he's been just covering forever. You you feel like with that opening scene that you should dislike, you know, uh, Gregory Peck. But he's super charming in this. And then his wife, too is very lovable. And I actually was not familiar with the actress. Uh, that's uh, Lee Remick, right? Or Lee Remick, name right? yeah. Remick, okay. So it's, it's Lee Remick, right? And she plays Catherine Thorne. And first of all, I thought she was just incredibly beautiful. Her, she had like the most piercing blue eyes. And um, I just felt really bad for her throughout this whole movie. I, I knew what her fate was ultimately going to be. And I, I feel like her fate actually wasn't as bad as Julia Stiles's ending ultimately but um like you know you wanted her to be happy you wanted their family to be okay and then they have this sort of demon seed and and i i think that you know the whole time you're watching this movie you want there to be some kind of solution but it's like nope this is the worst possible scenario for everyone i mean every single person in this movie dies essentially except for damien right yeah 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 and I mean, there's there's collateral damage too because you have this supporting cast, and um, you have Patrick Troughton who plays the priest that tries to warn them about Damien. And I didn't realize it, you know, before I'd seen this movie, but that, that's one of the the doctors from Doctor Who. Isn't he like one of the original doctors, like from the like from yeah. the the sh- when the first the show came on in the sixties? He, he's he's the second doctor in Doctor Who, so okay. the first time he like regenerates, that's him. But when he died, I, I thought that was a really cool death for something in 1978, right? Oh, I think all the deaths in this movie work. And I remember, like, again, as a kid, especially, like, like I actually, like, explained to Charlotte what an omen was. Like, uh, you know, because it, it you're watching the movie, especially as, uh, when you're younger, and you're like, what the hell is an omen? Why isn't this called the Antichrist or the, the child of Satan? And like David Warner's character is, you know, he might, you know, he might appear to be uh, exposition guy, but he's he's necessary for the, the movie to make sense uh, and to like connect everything. And and like you're 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 sitting there and you're you're following these weird blurry lines on the and you're like what the hell is 
going on here? And then it gets explained to you, and you're like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> and then and then he shows the picture of himself, and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> and you're like waiting with bated breath for that moment to come. Yeah. And boy, when that moment does come, that was pretty incredible. I thought for 1978, just the glass, just you know. Oh my god. I thought that he was going to get taken out in the cemetery with that sequence, you know, and um, I just want to say about David Warner, you know, before we kind of talk about the cemetery and that death, David, I've always liked David Warner, like since I was a kid, right? He's in um, Star Trek, the undiscovered country, Star Trek six. He has a pretty memorable Mm -hmm. role in that. Um, And then he's, he's always like a side character and stuff like, you know, um, and t- most people remember him from Titanic as like Billy Zane's right hand man. Do you remember the Lovecraft movie we watched that had him in it? It was the, like it was like thirty minutes long. Oh, the the evil clergyman was that? Yes, it? yes. Remember he was in that. Yes, he's you know? he's got it. Like I think on IMDb, he's got over like two hundred credits. He's been working since like the sixties or like the late fifties, early sixties. He's still alive. Uh, there's an alternate universe where he was Freddy Krueger. He was what? The, he was one of the first choices to be Freddy Krueger. Wow! Un, until they decided that uh, Freddy was going to have like a lot of makeup on, and then they realized it didn't matter if they casted somebody who fans people would recognize because the guy's going to be wearing a ton of makeup. And so they they ended up working with obviously Robert Englund, uh, you know, took over the character. And now, anytime you ever think of Freddie, it's just Robert Englund. But yeah, there there was a time where David Warner was thought to be like an older, kind of less makeup, more like ominous Freddie uh, for the oh, original wow. movie. Let's talk about that cemetery scene, though, right? Because you mentioned that cemetery scene really affecting you and, um, you you know, you couldn't even watch it as a kid. That was by far, I thought, the scariest sequence in the whole movie. And um, I just thought it was so well done, especially when they were able to escape the cemetery and you just heard the dogs, like, howling over and over again. That was really chilling. Yeah. uh, I mean, and... uh... What uh, Gregory Peck catching his arm on the the post going like that's just like one of those things that like when you watch it you're like oh god yeah and I uh, thought that David yeah. Warner was gonna like fall and get his head in the spike kind of like the kid in uh, Halloween you know so I swear I swear to God Charlotte sat on the couch and was like is one of these guys gonna get killed but like Michael Myers killed that guy in Halloween and I was like. Well, no, but stick around. <laughs> and, and so, like, when Gregory Peck caught his arm, she was like, oh. And so, yeah, but she thought that, too. She was like, I, I wonder if he's going to get, like, his, like, uh, the kid. It's going to go through his head. I was like, mm, that would have <laughs> been, that would have been something, but. Yeah. I Just, I do love I do love how David Warner at least two other times in the movie after you see that picture of him like he's walking around and he's like you could tell he's like looking like fuck yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. like there's the scene where he he's in Megiddo and he goes under the arch and there's like some dirt that falls and he's like what the, no no 
like he's getting ready to cover his head. So like I like I like that he's like he believes it so much that he's like yeah. cognizant that I'm gonna get decapitated and I'm just gotta I gotta protect my neck at any at any yeah. point. Dude, uh, if I was him and I saw like all those crosses and stuff in Patrick Troughton's room, and if I looked at his journal and shit, I'd be freaking out too, man. Especially yeah, the way Patrick uh, Troughton got it, you know. I mean, when I'm not gonna lie, like I probably I, I'm talking like back in the VHS days, I must have paused, like, like play pause, play pause, play pause to watch that decapitation scene with my friends. And it's it's so amazing because you literally can see the dummy head. And then apparently the 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 fact that it spun like that was a complete like they didn't plan on that. Uh, it just it was the way it hit the dummy that caused like a natural like I think Richard Donner called it a cue ball effect, where it just <laughs> and, yeah. and Richard Donner, Richard Donner said, he, um, like we had no money for that, so I just grabbed every camera I could and we filmed it at every angle, and he said that he intentionally played like the the different angles of it continuously because he said when people saw that that scene was going to happen, that they would cover their eyes and they would go one two okay it's over but it would still be spinning (laughs) when he went to screenings of it he heard like a second scream where like people were screamed when he got his head cut off and then like three seconds later there was another scream because they like looked up and they saw it again (laughs) does damien know that he's evil in this movie you know he's a four to five year old kid yeah does he you know, that's why, to me, the scariest character in this movie uh, is Mrs. Baylock. She's, oh, yes. Oh, my God. Like, just the, the, the way the camera zooms in on her face and, and, like, she's controlling all the actions. But, like, does Damien, like, Damien at the end is on the, you know, he he's seeing you know he's a five-year-old kid go his dad's holding a knife to him and he's going daddy no <laughs> and you're like you know yeah he's the son of the devil but does he does he even understand that does he know that like does he understand like he and and harvey stevens like he was so, like his face was so creepy at parts of this movie yeah like, the scenes with him in the car on the way to the church, the scenes with him in the car looking at the animals at the, the zoo. zoo. Yeah. Yeah. He just has this this look on his face and you're just like, ooh. Yeah. So funny, quick little funny story about Harvey Stevens. Um, right. We met him at a horror convention a couple of years ago. Okay. He was like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Uh, and he, he did a card reading of one of the ghost girl cards um for one of their exorcist cards and he like oh. did a reading of it and i filmed it and i put it up on uh geeks of doom's Doom. youtube channel at the time and and here i am having like been terrified of this movie my whole life and i'm like i'm hanging out with adult damien now this is fucking weird <laughs> full it circle was, man 
Yeah. Full circle. You got one of those black lines in your pictures now, man. You gotta oh, check your uh, Instagram, see if it's on there. Oh. In the end, right before you know 2022 begins, we got this nice little dire feeling, you know, this doomed feeling. So I, you know, I appreciate you talking about these movies with me. And you know, I hadn't seen Rosemary's Baby, I hadn't seen this, and so I, I feel like I can uh, put that on my horror scorecard now after watching these so, two. I, I I guess I guess uh, we should be kind of uh, you know generic uh, YouTubers and uh, do a, a quick ranking of them since we talked about three movies. Uh, right, that's that's generic YouTubers. That's what I do on like all my shows. <laughs> that's what every YouTuber does. It's you know yes. making lists and and every, everything's and a ranking. list. Yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. Why don't you go first? Because it sounds like you've given this some thought. So I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna upset the apple cart here, but I'm gonna go Omen, Rosemary's Baby, Exorcist. Um, I, I don't, I absolutely do not dislike The Exorcist. I genuinely like it. I genuinely think it is a great horror movie. But there is something to the, you know. It, you know, The Exorcist subscribes to the show don't tell formula. The other two movies are kind of the uh, don't show and tell uh, formula. And I feel like there's more tension and more scares, for me at least, in those other two movies. Uh, my opinion of Rosemary's Baby completely changed rewatching it. I genuinely loved it watching it this time. Uh, Whereas I, I kind of always thought it was a little too slow and a little boring. I thought it was so good. Uh, it's such a day, it's such a good movie uh, with such great performances. And, um, and, and yeah, I think the ending is kind of like, uh, as a parent, it's kind of uh, bizarrely romantic in a way, like the idea of a mom, like settling, like I'm going to, take care of my child, no matter what's wrong with her, well, no matter right. what's wrong with him, even if, even if he does look like his father, who is Satan, you know, right. <laughs> um, the omen is a very special place in my heart for reasons I've already said. It's, it's probably top three or four, uh, on my list of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Uh, even now rewatching it, it, it gave me goosebumps the for for two straight hours i had goosebumps um and yeah uh and the exorcist is part is is number 3 on my list by default because i i i grew to love rosemary's baby so much and because i've always loved the omen this much but again that's nothing against the exorcist i i view it i view it highly uh i just don't love it the way other horror fans love it okay okay you know what? Here's the deal. Our rankings are the same. And I, I, I'm going to use a criteria, though, for this. I think that the best horror movies and the best horror shows, like a good example would be Midnight Mass that we, you know, we've talked about, too, on here, is where you really care about the characters. You don't want them to experience the horror. So going by that criteria, I would actually put The Omen first because I really cared about Gregory Peck and his wife. And I felt bad for them for what happened to them. And I cared about the side characters too, particularly David Warner, right? Then with Rosemary's Baby, I really cared about 
Mia Farrow, Rosemary. You know, I, her husband can go fuck himself. But, I, you know, right. her, I, I really care about. And I really hate Minnie, too. You know, because she's just so fucking annoying. Then with The Exorcist, Ellen Bernstein is just, like, one of my favorite actresses ever. She's incredible. And Linda Blair does this amazing performance. I mean, everyone's great in The Exorcist. However, if I say about the characters that I genuinely care about the most, I'd, I'd go Omen, Rosemary's Baby, then The Exorcist. So we have the same ranking there. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Synergy. There are apparently many reasons to go see the movies in the theater this year. However, you know, it was kind of hard to with COVID. And Danny just keeps pulling movies out of a hat. He's like, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? And, like, I personally have barely seen any horror from 2021. And so our next thing for January is that we're going to watch horror from 2021 that is acclaimed. And we're going to make our top ten list just like we did last year. Until then, we're going to wrap it up for our unholy holidays. Happy New Year, everybody. And Mr. Torquel and I will see you guys in 2022.